Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome. Thank you for joining us again today as we continue this wonderful series by Warren Litzman on the cross. It is fantastic and very important to all of us who follow the Christ life. Let's get right into it. Here's part number seven. Here's Warren. The cup didn't go away. Let's take a good look at the cup. What's in the cup? What's in the cup? You. Let's start with you. You're in the cup. I'm in the cup. We are in that cup. Everything that has to do with our lineage, all the way from Adam, is in that cup. Everything that's ever happened to you is in that cup. The whole list I make of what a human being is, is in the cup. We've got to get rid of it. We've got to get rid not only of your past, not only of your sin, we have to get rid of you as a you. You understand that? You as a you have to be gotten rid of because Adam believed the lie that has been in your family ever since that date that you can be a God yourself. You don't have to do what God wants. You can be your own God. And we've all done that in little ways. I don't need a Savior. I'll make it all right. I don't need to confess Christ as my Savior. I'm as good as anybody else. I don't have to be a Christian. They're no better than anybody else in the world. See, you think you're God's. We've all gone through that. That's a part of our lineage. That's in the cup, though. It's in the cup. Think about it. Every petty little sin that you've ever committed was in that cup. Every big wrong you've ever had to do with was in that cup. None of us can sit around and say, well, God doesn't care about me. You need to know the gospel. The gospel is that you were in the cup. Somebody said, well, God hasn't done anything for me lately. You were in the cup. Every one of us. Everything that made us who we were so that it left us thinking I can do it within myself. Adam's nature, sin nature was in the cup. Every bit of it. Not just the sin of the past. But any sin that you commit 
from this day forward was in the cup. Not just your bad days, but your days yet to come in where you're in disobedience to God are in the cup. There can't be a thing left out. The plan must be perfect. If he's going to die, there can't be one sliver of sin left untouched. It's all in the cup. But let's look at something else. Cain, Adam and Eve, their sin is in the cup. The sin of Noah is in the cup. The sin of the Antediluvian age is in the cup. Sodom and Gomorrah are in the cup. The sin of Abraham is in the cup. The sin of David is in the cup. The sin of every prophet is in the cup. All theirs is in the cup too because sooner or later they must be covered by a single sacrifice. It's this one. There'll just be one. The sin of Adolf Hitler is in the cup. The sin of Saddam Hussein is in the cup. The sin of every foul person that ever walked on this earth is in that cup. Every mean, ungodly human being that ever existed is in that cup. Why are they put in a cup? Because we have to get it inside of him somehow. Oh, I'm sure God did it another way, but the cup represents how we can understand that all of the sin of the universe went into his body so that Isaiah could cry 700 years before that he bore in his body our sins and transgressions. You see it? That's the cup. That's what he had to drink. We had to get it inside his body. It couldn't be just, there he hangs on a tree for all of us. No, sir. That doesn't scratch the surface of what happens at the cross. What happens at the cross is that every human being's past life of Adam is in that cup. I always had people tell me, I used to be a counselor, and people would tell me, well, I just can't change. Just the way I am. And that irritated me no end that a person could live 
where they heard the gospel regularly and never hear that important point. That everything that has to do with their era of living is in the cup. So what does that mean? That means God's not dealing with your sins every day. We deal with them regularly. We say, oh, Lord, here I did it again. You got to help me again, Lord. Take it away. He turns a deaf ear. You know why it doesn't help you? It's in the cup. He's already taken care of it. I have people that have habits. They say, well, I turned them all over to the Lord, but, you know, I got in a hard time and I had to go back to my habit. So it just looks like the Lord's not going to take care of that for me. In fact, I had an alcoholic tell me that one time. said, well, the Lord decided that it was just too big a job for him to handle me, and so I could just keep on drinking. No, sir, it's in the cup. It's already there in the cup. No, he's not going to look at every alcoholic and say, now I got a special deal for you. If you do this and do that, well, I'll cure you of alcoholism. That would be foolish because what was in the cup was finally sealed by the death of the most priceless possession God had. Will he turn around again and kill him for you? We had folks in the early church that had that problem. They wanted, they wanted the Lord to turn around and help them as a special group of people. And Paul said, you're not going to crucify him again. He was crucified once and that's it. Yep. We don't hear much about the cup, do we? How are we going to get all this in one body? What's that going to do to that one body? How is that going to affect that one body? Is the sin in that perfect body that never committed a sin, is the sin in that body stronger than that body? I've thought about this a lot of times. He's born the sin of every drunkard. Will his eyes turn blurry? Will he have bloated cheeks? Will he have all the ravages of years of sin and filthy living break out in his flesh? How will it affect our Savior when he takes the sin that was destroying us in our bodies and puts it in his? Will he have eyes like a dope fiend has? Will he tremble like an uncontrollable human? What will happen to him when our sin goes into his body.
There's not a criminal. There's not a bigot. There's not a pervert. Pervert. There's not one full of hatred that did not write their insignia on every part of his body. We're in him. First in Christ's position. First time it's ever been mentioned. We're in Christ. What do you think Jesus saw when he took the cup? What was he Outwardly and in the natural, what did he see? How could he bear that? You ever see anybody that needed another drink? A dope fiend who needed another drug? You ever see what happened to them? You ever see them lose control of themselves? You ever see a person that is so full of anger they lose control of themselves? When he looks in the cup and sees humanity, he sees the only way out for them is for somebody to take away from them all of this that's caused them to lose control. Adam failed. All he did was soulish. God through Adam made man a living soul. But through Christ they are to become eternal spirits. But to get from one to the other, somebody has got to take it from them. So he takes it from every human being that has ever been born and ever shall be born on this earth. He takes it away and puts it in his body. You're wrestling with things right now that he's already taken care of. And that's why when you pray, you don't get any answers. God looks back at you and says, I treated that well. You're delivered of that if you want it. But don't go to Jesus and ask him to do it over. He has already borne in his body our sins and transgressions. So he says, Father, remove the cup. He doesn't do it, so he drinks the cup. 
From that moment on, he's transfixed. He's between heaven and hell. He will now pay the penalty for your sin. He's cut it in his body. But he'll pay the penalty. How will he pay it? He'll let them kill him. God's grace would not let sin conquer us and kill us. <coughs> but God will allow his son to be killed with your sin and your disgrace and your failure in him. And when he dies, that all dies with it. It is so sad that religion is wrestling with the results of sin and will not tell people what Jesus has done. We keep on trying to cure the drug addict by getting him to stop his drugs. He needs to be told that if he loves God, the drugs were stopped in Gethsemane. He just has the outer problem. Jesus took the inner power away from him. You see, Paul said in Romans 1 that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God. What's the power? The gospel. Why is it people are still running around with all their problems? Why is it churches set up all these rehabilitation centers? It's the absence of the gospel. Men need to be told if you've got an ounce of respect, responsibility, or love in you for God, then believe what he did. He bore your sins and transgressions in his body. Death has entered his body. For the end of sin is death. Bible is clear. Does sin ever end? Absolutely. Are people ever free? Absolutely. Are people ever delivered of sin? Absolutely. The end of sin is death. And when he dies, that's the end of sin. And why do you still have it? Because you haven't seen the glorious liberty that has been delivered unto us by Jesus in the final gospel. And until we see it and bring it to the world, Christians are still going to be wrestling with problems they're already delivered from. They're already set free from. Because we haven't believed this blessed book if the end of sin is death, 
then how does it technically work? When our sin, all of our sin went into his body, it pushed out life. It was established in Leviticus, Leviticus 17 and 11 that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it to you upon an altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is a blood that maketh an atonement. So when our sin went into his body by the cup, what did it do? It started pushing out his life. Life. The life began to come out. Precious life. It came out in the garden. In great drops of blood as if it were sweat. He pushed. God pushed the life out. God fixed him so that he would indeed be dead at a certain point. So that God would never have to wrestle with Adam again. He'd never have to wrestle with sin again. God's not wrestling with sin. We talk about a sinful world. God smiles. He sees the cross. He's not bothered about it. Gets more wretched every day to you and I, but not to God. He's taking care of it. But the world doesn't have that gospel. It doesn't have that good news. We're still running around saying, folks, come join our church and you'll be a good Christian. Get water baptized and you'll have everything we got. But it's the cup where sin was taken care of. And the cup full of sin pushed out his blood. Came out through the pores of his skin. Pushed the life out. Like sweat comes out. So the blood come out in little droplets. The blood. The blood of Jesus Christ doesn't cover our sins only. It made way for our sins to be destroyed. But the blood was an intricate part. As the blood began to come out, there was no God life to sustain the sinner that had been poured into his body. There wasn't a doctrine, a rule, or an idea left for anybody that had been poured into his body that they could set up their own kind of religion. They could set up their own kind of forgiveness. They could set up their own kind of making people righteous. God let the whole thing come to a point to where there was nothing of Christ left.
but our sin. You understand that? Religion doesn't understand that. They still think, well, we've got a very special place in religion. Jehovah Witnesses think they have a special place. Mormons think they have a special place. Muslims think they have a special place. No, sir. The sin of the universe pushed the life of Christ out of Mary's body. Pushed it out. So that those that are sinners could never claim there's still something left here for us. No, sir. It was pushed out. Not just in Gethsemane, but finally and ultimately before the final death. I want you to sense that. I want you to have feeling for that. I want us to go a step further in this, but I need more time, and it's time for a break here. We'll stop right here, but resume next time right here where we left off. This has been part number seven of Warren Litzman's study on the cross. Thank you for all of the great response we've been getting, and we're so happy that you're getting a blessing from this as much as we are blessed to bring it to you. Hey, don't forget to check out our website, christ-life.org. Christ-life.org, and in there you can read all about us and go to the bookstore and find some of this wonderful, priceless material that Warren left behind. Robbie Litzman allows us to go into the archives each week. We appreciate it so much. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does the weekly podcast notes. And we could not do this program each week without the wonderful producer, Teresa Ferraro. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.